podcast hosting for the Run With It podcast is provided by Transistor.fm. Welcome to Run With It, the show that brings you untapped business ideas from successful entrepreneurs. My name is Chris Justin, and I'm here with Ethan Janney. Ethan, how's it going today? It's going pretty well. I'm in my sort of pre-podcast closet. I've moved homes today, and I'm going to pimp it out. But right now, it's just blankets on the on the on the walls of this little secret podcasting closet. You're always in a different location, man. Every time we do an interview, you just Moving all around, can't bring you down. <laughs> and I'm moving on, uh, doing some uh, other podcasting as well. And that's uh, kind of the topic of uh, today's show. Nice transition here. We have two interesting folks joining us that I actually co-host another podcast called the Edge of NFT Podcast with. Our names are Jeff Kelly and Josh Krieger. I'll give you a quick intro. Uh, Jeff Kelly, he's a serial entrepreneur, investor, creator. He's actually a graduate of West Point with a Yale MBA. Pretty impressive profile. Josh Krieger. These two guys have been partners for many years. They co-founded Territory Foods, a national ready-to-eat prepared meal delivery company using a distributed chef network. And recently, they have also co-founded Canopy, an apparel company that connects fans with what they love through collectible interchangeable patches. And on our podcast, the Edge of NFT podcast, we talk about NFTs and we talk about crypto and this topic of what will happen to your crypto after you die given the complexity of, of what it takes to deal with it nowadays, came up and uh, man, we're kind of going to talk about that a little bit today. Well, it's relatively early in the crypto space. Of course, Bitcoin came out in 2008, I believe. And since then, still a ton of Bitcoin has been lost, not necessarily from people passing on, but just people losing their keys. It's estimated that around 20% of the 18.5 million Bitcoin out there is lost. People don't have a way to access that. To give you an idea of the scale of that, that's $210 billion or so of market cap in today's prices. That's equivalent to Nike. It's equivalent to Toyota. An entire Toyota's worth of uh, Bitcoin has been lost. You mean my uh, you mean my Camry or whatever? <laughs> yeah, equivalent to one Camry, Ethan's Camry, <laughs> minted on on uh, as an NFT. That's just Bitcoin, of course. There are tons of other cryptocurrencies. Bitcoin is the largest one. It's over 50% of the market of the total market cap, I believe. But uh, if you include all the other coins that have been lost, it's uh, tremendous. And as you guys have seen or are foreseeing, this will only become a, a larger problem as people pass on and they don't leave clear instructions for family members to be able to access cryptocurrency. It's not super easy, to be honest. If you can't leave clear instructions for yourself, how are you going to leave clear instructions for <laughs> your family? <laughs> That's a great point. Exactly. So, yeah, this came up on actually one of our episodes of the Edge of NFT podcast, um, just kind of as an aside in our episode about uh, Shisha Finance. And um, it was very interesting, but we only touched upon it a little bit. And I think Je Jeff was the one who thought we would talk about this is actually a business opportunity. It's a problem. Right. And we've always found that the best business opportunities are born out of problems. And it's not a small problem. Right? We, if we can solve this effectively or someone can solve it effectively, then we're talking about something that can be used over and over and over again and is going to be a need for people. So it's, it's huge. Crypto is complicated. There are millions of people that are, are in this you know, market right now, but most of them don't have 
appropriate backups for their seed phrases, for their passwords. Most of them have zero instructions for their loved ones in the event that they can't access it for some reason. I'll cut in here real quick too and just explain a little bit, right? Because our audience may not even entirely be on board with NFTs or crypto. And also, let's all just be careful we don't reveal too much about our, our personal uh, security strategies during this episode. <laughs> yeah, so these seed phrases, what are they? Yeah, typically 12-word phrases. And uh, it's an analog to your password um, on a, in a you know, a typical website or your bank account or something like that. But pretty much all cryptocurrencies and, and wallets that store them are going to use these seed phrases. It's something that, you know, people have various ways of remembering. But that's what we say when we mean a, a seed phrase. It's, it's a sequence of words that you need to remember in order to reaccess your um, your digital finances. If one of you guys can talk to the benefits of this system, because I think a lot of times people hear about all of this lost crypto and and think, well, why, why all this complexity? Why not just have you know normal passwords and password recovery type systems? I'll share a personal story too. There was a project that I got in on at the very beginning where it required a pretty sophisticated process for acquiring your initial investment in that project. And like a lot of projects, this project is decentralized which means that there is no central authority that can reset things. Like, like when we think about a normal corporate infrastructure for IT, if you lose your password, you know, you call the IT guy and he's like, yeah, sure, that'll be uh, $5 and a hot dog and, and I'll get you set up and reset, right? But, but that's just not possible when you're dealing in a world of decentralization where it's a bunch of nodes talking to each other and basically the developer of that project in some cases has relinquished control of the network. They may be doing things to market that network, to enhance that network, but fundamentally, a lot of these projects run autonomously. So you're really up the creek. And in, in my case, I lost a lot of money. I don't check the value of that coin. I, I completely take that coin out of my whole memory. Like, I just won't even think about that coin. I won't look at that <laughs> coin. I don't want to know what it's worth because every month it goes by, if I did check, it would hurt that much more. It's like just a punch in the gut. But Jeff was there for that process and he helped me try to come up with some mnemonics to remember my password. I checked everything where I would have might maybe have written it down. I went through every process I, and this thing is just lost. It's lost in outer space somewhere. But the bottom line here is things are more complicated when it comes to crypto than a traditional password system. And I think also, I think your original question, Chris, was actually what are the advantages, right? Like, and so I, I think I've got some ideas. Let me put them out there. <laughs> well, first of all, Part of the reason that Jeff and Josh and I are excited about NFTs and crypto in general at this particular point in time is a lot of people talking about how it's very similar to the birth of the internet, you know, and all of the things that were going on with dot coms back in the early 2000s, right? So, yes, there was a lot of volatility, there was a bubble, you never knew whether a project was going to go anywhere or anything, but there was also a ton of potential and it was exciting to be involved and you just sort of tolerate some of the difficulties because there was so much potential there. And I'm trying to think of an example with like the early internet. You know, I remember it was kind of like chat rooms, 
don't go in a chat room. Don't let your kids go in a chat room and, you know, meet a predator or whatever. And so it's like, okay, that, that was definitely something that people needed to worry about. And there are some things going on there, but you wouldn't outlaw chat rooms or say that chat rooms are not going to go anywhere. They're not going to be central to the future. Now I talk on Facebook with my mom and what is essentially a chat room, right? And it's totally fine. So I think that the benefits are if you're savvy, if you kind of can get past the blockages, that's actually one of your first mover advantages in, you know, potentially investing in projects that are fresh and new and exciting and are going to go somewhere. And so it's it's not all danger and, you know, greed and illicit activity that's going on. It's it's really for people like Jeff and Josh and I, it's like it's the next phase of history and you want to be a part of it. You want to be part of the foundation of it. That's really exciting. I think that's a good point to jump into how people are currently managing this. So I'll share a little bit of details. I got this seed phrase pulled up here and I'll read. And <laughs> now I'm going to, uh, so I was just talking with my wife about this and she is absolutely clueless. I have a little bit of crypto. She's absolutely clueless when it comes to how to access it. If I, Chris, uh, by, gave the way, her by the way, that was so, uh, the subtlety on that one was excellent. I mean, I just have a, just a great degree of appreciation for the subtlety on that one. Yeah. yeah. Continue. <laughs> you were waiting for that seed phase to come out. Huh? <laughs> uh, if she needs to access Coinbase, she'd be able to do that. We have a shared one password account. I think I can share that much information. Family Vault. So she has access to those logins and, and she can get in and get to Coinbase. But you know, the majority of, of my crypto assets are not sitting there and it is much more complicated. So we've talked about it. Do I record a video for her explaining exactly how to outline it? That doesn't seem super safe. You know, recording, uh, showing exactly how to log in and everything like that. You can just lose that. And where we landed is just call call my brother, <laughs> you know, call him. He's you he, he share all the access codes with him. He's a computer guy. He works for Apple. He would be able to figure it out. But not now, everyone has someone like that that they can just trust with that level of uh, you know financial assets and that has a technical know-how to do that. It's also very fluid, remember. You're probably coming in and out of different coins. There's new ones. There's meme coins now. People are, are, are aping into all kinds of different interesting things very quickly. Mm -hmm. And without somebody right there telling you every time, maybe a system telling you when you're buying something, take steps X, Y, and Z to make sure you're covered. Just a little bit of administration right during the process. And you could probably set yourself up for success with your brother or whoever else is, is kind of going to be the custodian that will help navigate this thing for your family if necessary. I think, I think whatever solution that we're going to try to build here, it's going to probably have a digital aspect. And then it's probably also going to have just a brick and mortar, mortar custodial, very logistical professional aspect you know, I think about something like LastPass or I think there's like one pass or something like that. Those are really great. You know, you just remember one password, you install these plugins in your browsers, they remember everything, but they're not really great for like seed phrases or keeping track of various crypto assets. So I think one direction we can go is just like Bill Gates said, a, a computer in every desk in every house, you know, the last pass for crypto assets, right? How do you have a central digital location where these things, seed phrases or hints or whatever can be stored and give you a pathway to finding those things that you could pass to others. There may be opportunity for something like that. I I think that 1Password is, uh, is similar to LastPass. 
uh, same sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I think that's good enough. Honestly, I, I have my seed phrase stored in one password and you know, it's up right now, just taunting me, ready to be read. <laughs> but uh, I think it's good enough. Yeah. I also have Chris's seed phrase stored in my <laughs> I'm about to share my screen, you know, it's going <laughs> right Facebook Live. Yeah. Chris, let me ask, where is that backed up, man? If your computer goes down or whatever, how do you, what's your, your backup yeah, system? Yeah, so, and this is, I would be flogged in crypto forums for this, but 1Password is on the web. So it's automatically synced across all my devices. If I lost my phone, I'd be able to access my computer. If I, you know, my laptop, I'd be able to access it there. And then my wife's devices also have access. So there are multiple internet-enabled entry points to all my passwords that you can steal all my money. But uh, you know, crypto does not make up the majority of my net worth. I feel like I have access to my 401k also stored in one password. And there's no reason to me, this is where I landed. It's, it doesn't make sense to etch it into a stone and bury it five miles underground uh, for crypto when I'm not taking that level of precaution for right. for my other assets. Yeah, but then there's the folks like, um, I know at least Josh and I probably, I don't know if you know the story, that a mutual sort of connection of ours, crypto probably billionaire, somebody accessed something of his and stole a bunch of his crypto. Um, Absolutely, I, yeah. And- if I had Vitalik Buterin's amount of, he's a he's a newly minted billionaire, I'm sure you guys saw that with uh, the Ethereum price rise. If I had his level of assets, I would not be storing my password in one password. I would be etching that in a stone and putting that five miles on the ground. No, it's a good point. There, there is a threshold, right, where it makes it worth your while to do that. Uh, and when you look at the number of wallet holders, though, that have a, a significant you know, uh, amount of, of crypto, I think there is a, there's a need for it once you hit a certain threshold. You know, I think, and if you make it easy enough and accessible enough for, for almost anybody and part of the process of buying and selling crypto or opening new wallets, wherever that entry point is, I don't know exactly where it is, but then I think everybody would be able to consider it. And even for a relatively small sum or percentage of your total portfolio, it might just make sense because it's easy. Let's talk about some of the businesses that exist in this space. There's one that's Kind of on the other end of the spectrum, if you lose your keys and don't have access to it, you can go to WalletRecoveryServices.com. No affiliation to us, but they've been around since 2013 and they just brute force guess your seed phrase. They apparently have some proprietary system for coming up with you know, their password guessing tool, but they take 20% of any recovered funds. If they don't recover anything, then they take nothing. But it's a you know can be a good chunk of cash for someone like you know Josh who has this unnamed coin out there. Um, <laughs> that that <laughs> coin, yeah. I think action steps. You know, we like to talk about you know how how would you get started. I, mean, I think a really great action step if you're already involved in crypto is just get your own portfolio figured out, right? Get get your highest level of security, figure out a pathway towards communicating things to your loved ones, get your level of organization up to speed. And I think the, the really great thing about having a business like this is if that's all you focus on, you could be really ahead of the game. You know, you're going to just keep up with the new coins, keep up with, you know, the different uh, storage devices and things that are coming up. You just keep on top of it. And every new thing that comes up, you add a solution for it. Let me spitball here a little bit for a way of handling this. You create Coinbase accounts for all your loved ones, right? Maybe not the most secure system to keep all your coins in uh, long-term, but at least it's something that's easily accessible and will probably be around for a long time. Set up a smart contract then 
that if you don't log into you know, our platform once every six months, at least, it automatically distributes the funds and sends it to you know, those Coinbase accounts. Super low tech or relatively low tech, you know, pay us $200 and you get the template for importing this smart contract and it's all set up for you so you don't have to think about it. Yeah, man. So that's like a perfect example of, of how you can tie in tech to this to help bring forward a solution, right? But there are steps that already exist in like the password systems that you guys talked about already that help add an additional layer of ensuring that something's gone wrong before giving access or, or you know setting out a, a distribution. So for example, it might be that there's a time period over which you receive some communication as the owner of, of those accounts, right? And it's just waiting for a response, right? And saying, okay, you got two weeks to respond. If we if you don't respond, then this is going to happen. We're going to send a note to all these people or we're going to send the funds to all these people here or whatever, right? So it, it's a perfect example of yeah, how we could draw tech in to help solve this problem. Other end of the spectrum here is a... Uh, it looks like another crypto, Safehaven, Safehaven.io. Have you guys heard of these guys? The solution to digital inheritance is how they position themselves. They've got a 48-page white paper here. I haven't looked into it. They've been around since at least 2019. I haven't heard about it, and I've been following crypto for some time, and none of us have heard about it. So apparently, there's at least some room from a marketing perspective to encroach upon their business success. So you gotta you gotta own some safe haven token, I think, to use the solution, which I, I find problematic inherently. Because what if you don't own enough, or the value of the currency changes, or their rules change, and you're already dead? You know, one thing that I've been thinking of is uh, you're really gonna have to build the trust, right? And and that's gonna be one of the special features of this business. And it's gonna be really powerful, though. You know, once you establish a reputation that people can trust you with certain information and you trust that company with certain information, then you know maybe there's more room for what you might all consider invasiveness if you didn't trust that provider, right? So like for example, you know, what if there was some sort of like a software that you could actually install on your computer, on your smartphone, and would actually detect when you would make certain accounts with certain uh, crypto assets or places where you can purchase things. And then it would keep a record of that and maybe signal a message that would go to your custodian or whatever. And the custodian say, hey, I see that you signed up for an account with Coinbase or I see that you signed up for an account with KuCoin. Let's get this information covered, right? And then just have a little meeting or send them some information so that they have it on file in a central location. I take one big issue with what you've said there, and that is the word trust, using that repeatedly. One of the big benefits of crypto is that it can be trustless. And I think that the way that you achieve trust of the system is that you know that it's trustless and you know that something is going to happen. It does not actually require a good actor or uh, the prevention of a bad actor in order to make sure that something happens. So I think everything else that you said, I'm completely on board with, but that word trust would be a major red flag of, hey, just you know, trust us. We built up this reputation and, and we'll do what we say we will. You know, I'm looking at Safe Haven's website. Their focus now is the custom solutions for enterprises and they're, and they're doing consulting. So I think what we're talking about is the consumer so let's let's be clear here. Our target audience is someone that holds over fifty thousand dollars of assets in crypto and has gone 
at least one or two steps beyond Coinbase. That to me is the minimum bar for this type of solution that we're talking about. This conversation is crystallizing for me a billion dollar insight. And I'm going to just, I'm going to throw it out here for you. Is it the, your seed phrase? <laughs> 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 yep, exactly. The crypto world, we're on the cutting edge. You guys, I mean, inherent in your podcast name, right? The edge of NFT. This is, it's still nascent technology. It's going to become mainstream. It'll be easier to access 20 years from now. The way that it gets there is people are going to have to understand how lay people operate. And they're not going to get, I'm staking a little bit of ether on, um, you know, for Ethereum 2.0. The complexity in getting that set up is... It's at the edge of my capabilities as someone who's been involved in tech for a very long time, right? I can follow along, I can copy paste, I can you know set up the Linux, Ubuntu, whatever stuff, but uh, it still took ten hours of time, and I don't completely understand what I'm doing. But you're getting like eighteen percent interest or something, 8% so it's okay right now, something <laughs> okay, like that. Yeah, it's pretty good. But um, if you go on all these forums, the people who are on the forums. They are on the most extreme end of, you know, don't use one password. You have to etch it in or just memorize it. Like, don't write it anywhere. Use an AirGaps computer to generate your key stores, stuff like that. And I'm just like, I'm not, I'm not going to do any of that, right? So the people who build the next level of businesses, the, you know, the, the next Coinbases are ones who have an appreciation for how you cross that chasm from the super early innovators to early adopters and uh, early mainstream folks. Yeah, we, we had uh, Fred Krueger on our podcast and and he's kind of an integral piece of that, right? He's the kind, he's the guy that created game software where people just played solitaire, but you know, he also has a PhD from Stanford. It's kind of like, you got to be able to understand this stuff is not going to go anywhere until we create systems where the consumer doesn't have to do any of this stuff, really. They don't have to know the complexities. It's all kind of hidden, sort of like a Mac computer, you know? The interesting thing about that is people have an advantage. If you are not actually super familiar with the crypto world, you have that advantage of looking at it from fresh eyes, from an outsider's perspective and being able to say, hey, this is way too hard. And this is what needs to change in order to, to make the entire crypto space more accessible. Yeah, let's not forget to like we have some some simple go-tos that can make things easy, especially when it comes down to this like passing things along like fingerprints, right? Maybe eye scans, I don't know, dental records. Like there's certain things that you don't have to remember because your body remembers it for you. I mean, maybe it's even part of your DNA sequence, you know, that is has to do with how you uncover a bunch of this information. And then it's just a matter of guide your family through using it appropriately. Well, let me say this, like there are some things here also technology wise, we were talking a lot about like the digital technology, right? The the stuff that's existing out in the ether. Um, but there's also some physical technology that can make things easy for people as well, especially when you start getting up there in terms of value in crypto, certain amounts of money are definitely worth surviving a fire, right? Like doing something, printing it somehow, the 3D printers are coming, they're super cheap. These days, you can absolutely print something that will etch it onto a piece of metal or into a flame-resistant fabric. There are things that are actually like really easy uh, that are forthcoming that could help protect some of these things as well. Um, so there's a whole side of this we haven't even touched on yet, the, the actual physical technology that can help protect some of these things. 
And I also want to touch upon any of your guys' experiences from starting your existing businesses that you that make you think about like what are the first steps here, you know, to to get going. Do you have to raise money? Do you start with something um, simple? How long do you have like a basic thing before you have a complicated thing? Any thoughts on that? Talk to people. There's a lot of people that we know that we could go pick up the phone and talk to right now and probably over the course of a weekend get some statistically significant data. But we also have this tool we love to use. It's called Ask Your Target Market, uh, where you can you can find your customer segment, come up with a set of questions, develop your hypothesis, and try to either validate or invalidate, you know, these assumptions that you've made. And you'll get answers like super quickly for relatively low amount of money. You can get like 60 or 100 people or more to answer your questions for a couple hundred bucks. And you'll have the answers in your inbox uh, in 24 hours. So customer development, I think, is always where we start. We think we know what the problem is. We experience it ourselves. But let's talk to people and see what they think the problem is. Maybe there's something bigger we're missing. Well, that's a great resource that we haven't mentioned here on the show before. I wasn't even aware of it. AYTM.com. Uh, ask your target market. It's literally a website. will help connect you with who you think your target market is to do some research. One of my other favorite resources, which is steveblank.com. On his site, he has over 300 resources for entrepreneurs on every aspect of validating one's business and building one's business. And a lot of these tools sort of are in the spirit of how Jeff and I go about things, which is iteration. You know, when it comes to even a, a tech-oriented project like this, I, I think you do as much as you can yourself and bootstrap as long as you can until it makes sense to raise capital. And wherever that point is, does depend upon um, what you learn from that process of course, but it's never been easier to, to build technology solutions um, than it is now. You have a working prototype up and running and get a lot of data on it before you build out the, the final solution. It's a lot more expensive to unbuild and tinker with, with fully built out solutions than it is to sort of test things out with a lighter platform and then adjust before you get to sort of the version that you're actually going to bring to market. So one avenue that comes to mind for me is the the one that's becoming popular in terms of uh, free. But if you want consulting or you want help, pay us for it. So you put your code out there on GitHub. This is how you do it. Follow all these steps. And if you do it, you'll be able to distribute your assets to your next of kin with no problem. Uh, the code has to be unimpeachable. It has to have that trustless factor there, of course. And I would venture to say none of us would be able to actually create that ourselves. But if you partner with someone who is able to put something like that together, then uh, you know that's, that's one approach. And I've seen this with Tesla products, things like Arduino setups for capturing your information from your dash cam. People will have free hosted GitHub code out there. And you can download it. You can figure it out yourself. But if you pay the guy whatever amount of money, then he'll do it for you. So that's one angle. The other thing I wanted to come back to, steveblank.com. You know that this guy is legit because he's running like a WordPress 2009 theme. And he is just you know rocking it proudly. So he, awesome. is, he is old school. I think that is a true sign. Like if you can have an intense following and still have like an just a basic html website 
you know, with text only on it, that's a really sign of a, of a knowledgeable OG. <laughs> yeah, that's a power play right there. Well, guys, it's been a lot of fun chatting with you. Thanks for fleshing out this idea here on the Run With It podcast. To the listener, go check out Edge of NFT. If you want to learn more about NFTs in the crypto world in general, it's a great resource. And yeah, guys, great to meet you. Enjoy the rest of your day. Catch you later on. So much fun. Really appreciate it, guys. Podcast hosting for the Run With It podcast is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm run, that's R-U-N, and get 15% off your first year.